Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 30th, 2019. We are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, and uh, we are, uh, we, we're, we're still in ordinary time. We're tail end after Pentecost. Season. <laughs> I've said it so many times now, now I'm not going to be able to say it any it's other fine. way. It's fine. Yeah. Ordinary time. Um, <laughs> proper eight. Proper, they're, they're, oh gosh, even worse. Yes. <laughs> I did notice that. Proper eight. Yep. Um, um, to be even more clinically dispassionate <laughs> towards the books of the, or the readings in the Bible. Right. Uh, but, uh, but so yeah, we're, we're, we're plugging right along. So let's, uh, let's hop into this week's episode being brought to you by, are you a first time expecting mother and not sure about the best way to deliver? First, don't worry. There's not a wrong way. Second, consider hiring a doulia. Here at Holy Family, we have many highly trained doulias available to guide you through the most worried over and most unique experience in all of humanity. All our doulias uh, do are they coach you through breathing exercises, creating a birthing plan, and help you uh, with making on-the-spot decisions. Don't feel like you have to go on this alone. Use Holy Family's doulias. They're here to help you. Now with more Latria. <laughs> Uh, so I came across this term, and and full disclosure, uh, we had to look it up just because there's a there's a very fascinating uh, website out there for anybody listening uh, that is like the Episcopal Dictionary, uh, yeah. which is really fun to go through and see all the words all, you don't know, <laughs> all the terms that have been made up for things that you probably don't even care about, uh, but may uh, not even be in use anymore. But uh, but uh, I came across this one and had to write uh, a little little bit about it because I'm sure it did not does not uh, get very much uh, uh, attention in the Episcopal community. Because when I brought it up to you to see if you knew what it was, you'd never heard of it. I, and that's unusual. I thought I knew just about every piece of Episcopal useless trivia there was. <laughs> and you came up with one I didn't. Yeah. And, and none of the clergy at Holy Family had heard of it either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for the for the people playing at home, yes. do you want to say, do you want to delve in real quick to yeah. what Dulia is? Do you need the... Uh, what I, You the, have the de- definition in front of you. You better just... Let's right. just be accurate and read the Let's definition. be accurate. It's a term used in medieval theology, probably one of the reasons why uh, uh, it, it's not very well known anymore. We're a little bit past medieval times. We hope. To distinguish the reverence which may legitimately be paid to the saints from the worship, or latria, which is paid only to God. So paying it only to God. Since both words can be translated as worship in English and most other languages, the distinction was important in the controversies concerning the veneration of saints, icons, and things other than God. So it actually, I'm sure, was an extremely useful term. Mm-hmm. And consequently, I'm kind of surprised that I had not heard. I'd heard the term veneration and, mm-hmm. and did a lot, you know, I'm sure had finals where questions about the controversies over the role of saints in our spiritual lives the questions but that term was never used right. that so, i remember maybe i forgot something so dulian latria it's it's kind of like uh the 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 closest uh not not a direct correlation but something that we've experienced a lot of people who come come to church or read the the bible may be familiar with it's like a it's almost kind of like the difference between the different types of love like we have, sure. you have like the agape love. So because all these words translate, these two different words translated in English as 
worship. worship. Uh, this is like breaking that word apart, yeah. identifying how you worship God only. So the 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 yeah pr have the primary worship right. and the um secondary worship's not a good term. So fortunately, we have another one we now know. Yeah. So well, and, I'll and then, never pronounce it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, and then Latria it seems to to share uh, the 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 word laity uh, almost in in there since it's talking about saints. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if that hmm. uh, if that correlates or not, but uh, but those two words uh, uh, do bifurcate the word worship in the Episcopal Church. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a good way to move along. <laughs> it was, and <laughs> rather than just like shut up. <laughs> That was the most useless bit of trivia I've ever heard in my life. Let's move on. Though, mm -hmm. it might be legal in Scrabble. Oh, there you go. Yeah. D-U-L-I-A. Yeah, Do a lot that. of low scoring, but yeah. it might be able to a fit D and an L, in. you'll get a little bit of And a... you could set that up without the opponent knowing that's who you're heading towards, so feeling mm -hmm. no need to block it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, something tells me you have a lot of Scrabble in your background, yeah. since that's the first thing you went to. Um <laughs> But yeah, so, all right, well, we'll move on from useless uh, Episcopalian dictionary trivia to 1 Kings. Uh, this is our first reading. 1 Kings 19, 15 and 16, 19 and 21. Ooh, I'm already, I can already tell. I might, I might ask a question about what's omitted. There's two verses omitted here. So it reads this way. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, and of... Man, I hate these, these things. <laughs> Welcome to Hebrew. <laughs> Mohala, uh, as prophet in your place. So he set out from there and found Elisha, son of uh, Shaphat, who was plowing. There were 12 yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Then Elijah said to, go, said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the oxen, he boiled their flesh and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. Um, not how you would expect that story to go. All right. Um, we'll get into it a little bit later because it, this this uh, part of the story mirrors a little bit of, I think, the gospel reading. That's the intent. Uh, which is why it's been chosen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, killed them instead. Uh, I guess maybe the, <laughs> I'm not sure why, um, <laughs> but, um, but this was, uh, th so Elijah's passing by Elisha, right? Right. And, um, it very much mirrors that, it, like I said, we'll get into it a little bit later, but the, you know, um, uh, following, you know, when the disciples drop their nets and follow, right. follow Jesus, uh, this is Elijah's a prophet. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who, who might not be aware, one of the great prophets. One of the great prophets. Uh, the only person in the Bible who uh, uh, did not experience death. Right. Uh, was um, taken up in the chariot of fire. Right. 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 Uh, so uh, pretty famous. Right. Very would have been very recognizable. And Elisha uh, uh, is being called to. 
kind of follow him. To and, be an assistant. And yeah. be an assistant. Uh, and first, uh, before he does, he wants to go back and uh, say goodbye to his father and mother. Um, then Elijah says to him, go back again for what What have I done to you? I'm not entirely sure like what that interaction is trying to say, but he... Uh, he returned from following him, took the oxen, killed them, and gave them to the people to eat, um, and then followed Elijah and became a servant. Uh, basically, that in terms of what was said there, basically Elijah saying, "Hey, if you're not committed to this, yeah, sure, you're just going right. to say goodbye to mom and dad. I know I'll never see you again. No right. problem." Right. So, Eli this is a kind of Elijah's emphatic statement of like, "Nope, I'm done." Well, not so much, nope, nope, I'm done, but nope, you can be done, no harm done. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, any any hidden significance on uh, there being 12 yoke of oxen, maybe perhaps well, representing the 12 tribes of Israel? Very good chance of it. Cool. Um, I mean, because it doesn't say which represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Right. Can't be, can't be completely sure, but that's certainly um, in the air. It's one of the holy numbers. Right, and apologies to all these butchered names that I have uh, not said. In, in in the Old Testament, there are sections, and every once in a while, you'll get you'll get one of those readings where, uh, as a reader, you'll want to shoot yourself. Like, <laughs> didn't think you were going to end there. There's, but okay, there's, like I, I'm just I'm just why all these names that I can't pronounce, and I'm just going to butcher it and struggle over it, and uh, God help me. What? As so many clergy and other leaders of worship have said, just say it boldly and everyone will think you said it right. Right. Shaphat. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but uh, Abel Maloha is uh, one that I'm sure I've said. I think completely. I'll name my next dog that. <laughs> you call him Abe for short. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> ask you the full name every time. <laughs> Um, but uh, but especially in these books, in these readings from kings, uh, uh, really uh, old names, really old names, and and uh, spoiler alert, First uh, and Second Kings chronicle some of the occurrences that occur to the kings. Right. So there's a lot of a <laughs> lot of uh, first name uh, references throughout all those stories. Some of them very fascinating, and we never get a chance to read. There, yeah. First and Second Kings, believe it or not, uh, we have a tendency to think of. Some of those readings there that aren't Genesis and Exodus as being super boring. There's right. some weird. If you get into it, there's some really fun, weird stories in First and Second Kings that, yeah. if you're on the lookout for it, there's some. You're like, this is trippy. This is, yeah, <laughs> weird. And why we even bother chronicling this? This is like, well, yeah, and those are the most interesting because you do ask yourself, why, why is this in the scripture? And therefore, at least for me, I can't help but spend way too much time delving into it. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes the answer is, we have no idea. And other times right. it's like, well, this is was very helpful X number of hundreds of years later to help explain sure. or give guidance in this other situation. A lot of historical context in the in, in these in these uh, in these books, I think. Uh, but uh, but there's still there's some very interesting parallels with that start to uh, be referenced later in, in New right. Testament scripture, and, uh, and 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 this is one of those that very clearly kind of creates a parallel. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, intentionally so when the New Testament books were written, but um, well, part, I mean, part, this is one of those. Connectivity is there. Almost mind games, in a good way, uh, imagination games of, well, obviously God knew what was in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so why couldn't God then have parallel events in the life of Jesus? 
Right. And, and uh, sa same way Jesus knew the scriptures as well. And yeah. so in, and taught in out of Isaiah his interactions and with uh, individuals, he was uh, constantly using references in, mm -hmm. in the scripture that, that would make sense or, or like harken back. Yeah. Makes me wonder, though, how many times those references went over people's heads. Because not certainly. Yeah, certainly within the context of many of the gospel readings, they went right over their heads. Right. And only, yeah, only after the resurrection, and sometimes even much later than that, did they make any sense to mm -hmm. the listeners and readers. What did we, uh, what did we lose in uh, uh, verses seventeen and eighteen? Do you have it open over there? There, there was some smiting going on. <laughs> 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 that um, we're, part of the context here. So we're we're bleaching our. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, we kind of are that. God is dealing with the people who were sacrificing babies, mm. among other um, terrible things. And so God's trying to get people back on track mm -hmm. into a uh, healthier spirituality, to put it nicely. Sure. And so uh, if they were not going to listen to Elijah, then... Um, some of the people whose names you heard were going to be instructed to do some smiting of the people who were... It doesn't say this explicitly, but if you take the whole uh, king's narrative, the context is they were sacrificing children, mm. and therefore the only way they're going to stop going to stop was if they were killed themselves. And it makes sense uh, uh, um, historically throughout the Old and New Testament, uh, you will find no occurrences where a prophet is raised up where people are getting things mildly wrong. Right. <laughs> It's, it's usually, way wrong. It's usually like, okay, this is off the rails. Uh, you are now going to be sent to a, as a prophet to this town or yeah. this region or this, you know, and and steer people back. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I can't. I mean, maybe there is one where they're like, uh, oh no, they're they're eating meat on you know on a, well, on a Sabbath day. Please go correct this entire town. But uh, for the most part, it's like a story worth reading in one sitting is the story of Jonah. Yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonah was sent to Nineveh mm -hmm. to say straighten out your ways, and then sits down on the hillside, since Jonah knows his scripture, mm -hmm. knowing that no one ever obeys, and suddenly Nineveh did, and even the cattle repented, and Jonah was sorely disappointed that he did not get to see the grand smiting, and there's this fantastic narrative um, of Jonah's reaction and God interaction, and yeah, you. I'm going to spoil it. Yeah. Read it for yourselves. There is yes. a lot more to the Jonah story than what you were taught in yeah. Bible school. Oh, so much sure. more. Absolutely. So much more. But again, Nineveh didn't, didn't, wasn't just like not observing this one right. thing. It yeah. was. They were way off the rails, like way you said. Off. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, anything else about it? So, so Elijah gets a servant uh, or a follower. Um, the other, the other thing is you mentioned this um, a few minutes ago. The slaughtering of the oxen mm -hmm. and sharing the meal, that was the symbolism there is that Elisha cannot go back. Right. That he has literally that burned, burned his trucks. Yeah. And he's lost his Co way of living. He, he is he is Cortez having reached the new world yeah, for, for, for history, history buffs. Yeah. Yeah. And the common meal is one of the ways of binding people together drawing them together. Mm -hmm. And so the the means by which Elisha used to make his living is now being transformed into um, his new way of living as a spiritual leader 
and facilitator Interesting. by producing this wonderful meal for everyone to draw them together. Interesting. I just now, and, and I could be way off on this, but I just now had a, a, a either a flash of brilliance or a flash of stupidity. So I'll Let's leave see. that up to the listener. Um, in a way, this is kind of like our communal, it, it, this was like an early communal baptism. You draw the people together. Yeah. He took his oxen, you know, uh, fed the people. And this was, this could have been uh, their way of like, you know, sending him forth into the community on, on his new, his new journey, yep. who will support this, this man and his new, uh, his new outreach. Yeah. All well, the people it, look up from their bowls of oxen and say, we will. <laughs> <laughs> Great stew. Uh, yeah. It's, so in, I think you're, you're onto something there. I think it'd be closer to ordination or right, something, right. Like, yeah, something yeah, like that rather than baptism. Uh, but, but it, but yeah, yeah that's a sacramental, moment mm -hmm. and some would say very close to the holy eucharist of the sacramental moment the drum mm -hmm. that acknowledges and emphasizes the presence of god and the sharing of it the presence and love of god among them and the sending out very of elijah cool. yeah that's nice. good insight oh, well, that's <laughs> on my back yeah. uh right let's move on to galatians chapter mm -hmm. 5 verse 1 uh, and and I'll, I'll go ahead and say this up front. Obviously, the reason we skip is verse one is a very nice setup for uh, um, covering the rest of the story to kind of just, um, um, well, we'll read it. And then uh, yeah. skipping ahead. It's in, like an introductory verse, sentence. Yeah, it's a good introductory sentence. Verse 13 through 25. There's no, smite, there's no uh, uh, smiting that well, we're skipping. Well, did you see it, what we skipped? I, I actually... I glanced Go ahead and it. read it, and then we'll see. I, I glanced we'll over it. it. Uh, so it reads this way. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit against uh, again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only, to, uh, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Okay, so um, this is a uh, I, 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 what I like about this this verse is that it goes into. Uh, I think a lot of times we use modern language and like oh the the the. Uh, um, we think them talking about, you know, desire, is opposed to the desires of the flesh. It makes it sound as though they're speaking out against sexuality mm -hmm. uh, specifically. And I like that if you continue to read on, it's really more talking about these are, this is your human nature. Yeah. This is the, 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 the desires by your human self uh, here on earth. 
envy, uh, you know, uh, dissension, quarreling, anger. It, it delves into so many different facets that self-centered yeah facets yeah and 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 things that admittedly i think most of us don't like about ourselves that we yeah. find consistently yeah. uh or every once in a while i hate it when i commit sorcery i i i, <laughs> I do too uh but uh i don't commit sorcery <laughs> not that i'm aware of right. but uh but sure um but uh, uh, but he he goes out of his way to talk about you know you know obviously there are rules against this and there are laws but contrast that to uh, the the you know the the spiritual desires of of loving each other and having peace and there's no rules against these these right. are these are these are above the law these are that nobody nobody reigns these in uh, and says okay you can only have so much love or you can only be so peaceful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah, and that's enough for the week. <laughs> one of the things that, including in the time of Paul, mm-hmm. Christians had to contend with, and Jews in the time of Paul, is if there was, if their love of peace was in conflict with Roman Empire's desires. Ah, Roman Empire won in terms of right. civil law. Interesting. So if the Romans said we're at war with these people, it would have been illegal to. Say otherwise to, to to have a peaceful act against oh yeah those yeah, peaceful act against the against war and let alone to refuse to participate in whatever level the empire insisted you participate. Interesting. So yeah. in a way, this is a this is a this is a, a a rebellious undertone of like and you know don't let the Roman Empire tell you otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. But I I. I the, the the map that he or I shouldn't say that the picture he paints here is is it is one of of internal and external struggle of mm-hmm. you know right. fighting which is very helpful yeah fighting yeah. your human nature is constant and and living by the spirit is is uh, is always there as well and they, the the two do not always work in conjunction with each other and yeah because one of the things to keep in mind is. Paul brings into the Bible, unlike any other author, um, except maybe uh, um, except maybe Revelation, author mm-hmm. of Revelation, the the Greek philosophical construct of the physical versus the spiritual, mm-hmm. which is so part of Western thought that it's hard for us to see life being constructed in other any other way or being perceived in any other way, mm-hmm. where but in the Hebrew Scriptures, there is no differentiation between spirit and flesh, or spirit mm. and human. That it's all one thing. And so, particularly in Galatians, there's this is quite a, a Greek-influenced argument he makes and construct. So, if a person today is not comfortable with saying, no. I don't think the flesh is all this, 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 and this, and this, all bad things, and the spirit is all good things. It's perfectly fine to carry that theology because there's lots of scriptural basis mm-hmm. for saying that the the flesh is as filled with the spirit as any other aspect of humanity. Right. You, you touched on something right there uh, that that is that is interesting to kind of keep in mind as we go through the different readings of Paul. Mm-hmm. Of his point of view is. I think admittedly unique because he does have that Greek experience that would, you know, while 
the, the, the Christ story is being delivered into different areas that had never, you know, never reached before. Additionally, he's got kind of this Greek background right. influence that is also uh, foreign to uh, uh, th this area, and that that style of Greek thinking is is it was also kind of a, a a thing that was traveling around at the same same period of time, and would have been new uh, ways of thinking for some of these different regions. For some, but it also in most of the Roman Empire around the Mediterranean mm -hmm. would have been a way of, and was a way of communicating Christianity much faster than if Paul or other missionaries had to teach people to get into the Hebrew mindset right. of the singularity of human existence. Paul translated a lot of Jewish theology, like here, loving your neighbor as yourself. That's right out of right. what we call the Old Testament now. Um, he translated a lot of that into the Greek philosophy, which was much more widespread through the Roman world than Jewish philosophy or, or teaching styles. Right. And I guess I, I, I probably worded that poorly. Uh, the, the, the different areas that he's writing letters to has that Greek background understanding. Right. They are they're already home, there in, uh, Jerusalem. You know, in Jerusalem in those areas. These would have been introduction of new thoughts. So this is for, through Which, Paul. It's kind of like an exchange of new thoughts. Of of he was a know, conduit. Yeah, he was he was a really good conduit of you know the Greek, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, these different Greek influence or Roman Roman Greek uh, influenced towns would have had this kind of already understanding that he builds upon, and he's teaching them a new story about Christ. And then back home, it's an introduction of a new way of thinking that would have been foreign to uh, to to the Hebrew people. Uh, for the most, it would have been foreign, or or am I would have been flat out disagreed with <laughs> oh, okay. all their yeah. lives <laughs> completely. Yeah, okay, it, known about but rejected. But, yes, known about but rejected, and in many ways, that same tension has been walking in within Christianity ever since. Mm -hmm. Of those, there are Christians who are much more comfortable with uh, to just use overly broad shorthand who are much more comfortable with the Jewish mindset of all is one mm -hmm. versus the um, flesh versus spirit uh, Greek philosophy of mm -hmm. other Christians. That's been one of those back and forth arguments that we've had now since Paul first started writing. No, oh, sure. And we're, we're certainly not we're still done with that. We, I yeah. mean, we have a lot of things that we have a black and white view on or, and, and other things that we struggle with a multifaceted approach. Right. And it's not it, that, that struggle continues. And within uh, the Episcopal church, our approach is either is fine. <laughs> one <laughs> that, would argue that makes it multifaceted by nature. Right. And, so, and so, but there are other portions of Christianity even today that are fighting this fight with the hope and goal of having a single viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And if you take scripture seriously, the Episcopal position is that's just not possible. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me personally, that's where, when you start to get into those different arguments, that's where I then uh, uh, translate and interpret that line of um, the only way to the, to the Father is through me. Not that it's, you know, there's multiple ways to, to kind of interpret it, but you need to come back to the core center idea of 
this, you know, similar things to what we Christ. just relationship with Christ, but similar things to what we just read about the, the, the fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. come back to that core concept that, that Christ was delivering, which is love, joy, peace, yeah. patience, kindness, goodness. Those, if you come back to that, these other things melt away. Yeah. They, they aren't what matter. You need to come back to, uh, to, to these core concepts. And only then can you, Mm-hmm. Can you, can, you know, successfully With a healthy spiritual life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what did we skip over here in Galatians? Circumcision. Was... Oh, okay. <laughs> but again, with the babies. Uh, <laughs> no, just... <laughs> yeah, and and it, again... actually, back then it probably was not necessary. Was that necessarily still? Were, were brisses a thing at the end? Oh, think of that sure. Part? Okay, so, it was so huge for the for the Hebrew. It was, but still at that early age, at 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 at, at, at an yeah. infant infant age, not days old. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. And it was it was the external marking of were you a follower of the one true God mm-hmm. or were you a follower of the Greek Roman pantheon of gods? Right. And so it was a huge deal when. Within early Christianity, the fight took place and was settled on, no, you don't have to be circumcised and you can be a Christian. Because there was um, a huge amount of um, social disadvantage for people who, for men, who were Mm -hmm. circumcised. Mm -hmm. If you want to get ahead in Roman slash Greek society, that it was seen as a very primitive practice and not cosmopolitan and Mm. certainly not sophisticated and modern and so actually there were men who had been circumcised when they when they were days old who had reversals even to try to uh, fit two thousand years ago so that because male nakedness was so common gotcha um, so that they he's gonna ask how do they know (laughs) common baths gymnasiums all most the Olympics were in the nude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they didn't want to have to wash sweat socks, and so most athletic endeavors were done naked. Mm. And so it was really clear who was circumcised and who wasn't. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and uh, it was such a visible distinction, and obviously it is such a primary identity um, feature mm-hmm. that it was a big deal whether or not you were circumcised or not. Christians fought about it back and forth, and uh, Paul came down very strong on the, you don't have to be circumcised. You can still be a full Christian. Gotcha. Again, no one comes to Father except through me. has nothing to do with... Yeah, and and basically, yeah, Paul agrees with you on that. (laughs) (laughs) That circumcision is just an external marker. It doesn't have anything to do with what's in your heart. Gotcha. Moving on? Moving on. All right, let's round it out with Luke 9, verses 51 through 62. No skipped verses here. True. Uh, uh, so, um, and I don't think that there's a uh, a smiting. Uh, there's my love. All right, let's just read it. When the days drew near for him to be taken, he set a space to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. Uh, on their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to, to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So, um, first, I want to ask, um, the verse 53, they talk about the, the, the village of the Samaritans not, uh, not receiving him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Yeah. Is that meaning, like, they knew that was his end destination and they didn't like being playing second fiddle to Jerusalem? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, is that what that meant? Okay. Well, I was a little yeah. confused as to, like, what does this wording necessarily yeah. mean? That um, at this time, as had been true for decades and decades and decades and decades, there was a distinct difference between Samaritans and Jews, mm -hmm. as the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke talks about, or in plot, or expects we know, doesn't talk about it. And the Samaritans did not worship in Jerusalem, did not see that as the center of worship, mm -hmm. and instead worshipped at local shrines on mountaintops. That's referred to um, in the Gospel of John. And to, and were not considered truly Jewish mm. by the uh, hierarchy and most of the individuals within Israel. Mm. The Samaritans were the outsiders. They Some Jews would say, well, yeah, they worship God. Others would say, no, I don't even think they worship God. They're doing such weird stuff. Gotcha. Um, so there was a huge rivalry, for the lack of a, to, to mm -hmm. almost downplay it, between Samaritans and Jews. And, yeah, that's reflected in here, that the Samaritans didn't want to listen to Jesus because he was heading towards that hostile territory. Gotcha. In the center of it. Right, right, right. And his background. And his background was Jewish, too. Right. Yeah. So, so, so a reference to the further, you know, a further reference to the rift between yeah the two uh, two groups so yeah and and so part of it is to realize jesus doesn't cause this it's been pre-existent yeah for a long long time and the that village was not willing to let go of their prejudices mm -hmm. in order to experience god in this new way and it is interesting that he points out i mean obviously this is another example of the 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 uh you know, disciples, uh, 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 disciples get rebuked, uh, a lot. Yeah. More than um, anyone else. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, do you want to, do you want to consume them? And he's that, that, no, yeah, that they, doesn't. They want to do some smiting. Yeah. You know what? It, so it was in this yeah. passage. Well, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was a rebuke against, they, they interpreted it as a rebuke against Christ himself and like, no, you know, aren't, aren't you going to make an example of them? And he's like, well, and of course they were already, they were prejudiced towards the Samaritans. Yeah. So that would have been something they would have happily done even before encountering Jesus would be smiting some Samaritans. Right. I'd be interested to... Uh, Maybe I that's would... an exaggeration. I don't <laughs> think they'd be happy to do it. But would have felt proper to vindicate. do it. <laughs> vindicate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be curious to know what uh, the actual rebuke was. Uh, yeah. It, it seems like a prime uh, instance to learn something more from Christ's point of view uh, it's a shame that it doesn't get captured here because yeah, what the exact wording was yeah, like because this it seems like this would have been one of those uh, uh, probably fun and interesting 
uh, uh, re- rebukes that like, <laughs> you use in modern times. Yeah. That, well, that you can in, in turn, like, like what, what about the situation uh, are you rebuking? Are you re- rebuking their bloodlust? Are you re- rebuking their, uh, uh, their, b- both parties being at odds against each other and, and kind of looking past and through each other and, mm-hmm. and, and not uh, being harmonious? What, like, what is it necessarily that, that you are, are, are rebuking them at them of like, you know, this isn't a good use of my time. This isn't a good right. use, you know. Well, think of the Gospel of John passage where Jesus um, rebukes the crowd that wants to stone the woman caught in adultery yeah. with the, you know, whoever is without sin casts cast the first stone. stone. And then there's the joke of bonk, and Jesus says, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, That's funny. That, you know, that, that whole thing, that whole dynamic that Jesus repeatedly teaches of we're all together. Yeah. Every human is the same. We're all sinners. We're all in need of God. Um, so, yeah, don't go thinking you get to smite someone just because they're not of your denomination. Right. Or your particular way of worshiping. So let's go through it real quick because I yeah. think some people will find a little bit of, at least I know, I do. Uh, a little bit of trouble with some of these these one of these three examples that okay. that, that come come up along the road. Uh, so, one person says, "I will follow you wherever you go," and the response is, "Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." Um, it implies, I think, at least in in, in our modern thought of uh, this, this shows his uh, he. It, you don't go to one place. Uh, you don't stay still. You don't mm-hmm. stay stagnant. That you know the Son of Man is for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, um, and everywhere. Right. Um, and and so this is kind of Jesus saying, "Are you sure? Because right. I will be going everywhere. Yeah. And it's not just down the road five miles from your village. This is to the ends of the earth. Kind yeah. of kind of a deal. Yeah. Uh, so know what it is you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of the hardest dimensions of ministering in the name of God that people face, whether they're doing it professionally like a clergy person or a lay minister or just in their everyday lives, that at times God will invite us to uproot our to be uprooted mm-hmm. and relocate and be far from people we love right. and things we know and languages we understand to Share God's love in a whole new place. And in the in, in the modern day and age, this is also a, 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 a reference of this isn't you don't just experience Christ when you come to church. You take it. Yeah, that's right. When you leave. Yeah. Uh, the next person comes in and says, uh, "I want to." You know, he actually in this instance, the 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 story says that this person gets called by Christ. Yeah. Follow me. And this person comes up with an excuse, which there are plenty of instances where people give excuses to God and Christ uh, throughout uh, throughout the, the scriptures. But this one is, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Um, I I don't I'm not sure what to how to interpret the response though. He says, "Let the dead bury their own dead." But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Uh, Maybe this is just a reference of like that's you know you just came up with a lame excuse like do, <laughs> do you really is this really what you need to do or are you trying to avoid a call to spread the kingdom of God but the that first part is kind of hard to ingest at least for me is let the dead bury their own dead if this person's father really has died what. <laughs> 
<laughs> the other dead will take care of that. Right. Well, it, it this refers to the extremely strong cultural expectation that the person will take care of burying their father. Mm -hmm. That that's one of the primary obligations, particularly of a son. Um, and so the message here is Christ saying, even that obligation falls to the wayside. Was there, were there a lot of, cause I know at this period of time, there were a lot of extraneous laws that were written. Uh, and I know, or at least I believe the burial process, uh, in this tradition, it was days and days long. No, was actually, it? it was pretty short. Was it pretty it short? Was, okay. It was... Because um, I was wondering if this was maybe one ground, of those, like, oh, in, I can't get, do it now. It'll be, like, it'll be a week. Before get him in the ground in 24 hours. Okay. Um, but, and so that's part of it is, yeah, you don't even have a day. Hmm. You, if, if God is calling you to do something, you've got to do it now because this is when it's needed. Yeah. Uh, then... Um, then the last one says, it, this person pipes up and says, I'm, I'm going to follow follow you, but let me say goodbye. Which, again, this goes back to our first reading in, yeah. in, in the book of Kings. Uh, that's what Elisha did. He wanted mm -hmm. to say goodbye to his mother and father before he, before he went on. Uh, and this is this, the response, it, at least in, to my ears, is almost kind of harsh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, one, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I think if we're, if most of us are honest with ourselves, that would be our nature. We would want to say goodbye. We would want, and even on our journey, once we feel called towards something and, and, you know, move forward with it, I don't know very many people who haven't looked back at well, least yeah. a little, yeah. you know? Uh, so what is, what is the response here? What, what do we, what do we take away from this response? Because it does seem as though like, Hey, if, if you even hesitate for a second, you're not worth it. You're not worthy to. Well, he's not. He's he's not saying, "Can I turn around and wave?" Mm. He is saying, "Can I go back um, to my home and you know have the cake and ice cream and the iced tea and the, tell the, some the stories? Stewed oxen. Yeah, have some stewed oxen like Elijah did, and then I'll come catch up." Right. Uh, and again, we're, we're talking about deep symbolism here. We're not talking about this isn't, literal. It, and that's where I was kind of leading. Yeah. I, I know this isn't, it shouldn't be literal, but I'm struggling yeah. a little bit with like how to internalize the, 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 the meaning. Well, there's the um, dimension of if we keep looking back, mm -hmm. then that's where we live. That's where our perceptions are. That's where our judgments flow from. That's where our decisions will be made. Whereas if we're in the moment, which is the only place where God can be perceived accurately, then we're not looking back mm. and the plow is going in the proper direction. And therefore God's will is being done more faithfully, probably not perfectly, but more faithfully. One of the reasons I like the image of the plow is it's an imperfect tool. Mm. You know, it makes dirt clods and is a little crooked and sometimes shifts depth, though the more you do it, the better you get at it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it was a tool of precision, then I'd be a little more worried about God being a perfectionist. Gotcha. So oh, that's, that's an interesting way to yeah. look at it is, is the, the tool of, of, of the, of the, uh, good enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good enough to get the seeds in the ground, break the ground, get the seeds in the ground. Yep. You've turned over weeds. Um, so it's not like Jesus is telling people they have to be perfectionists here. But, right. You know, they're not going to lose their finger if they look back. Right. <laughs> like if they were using sharp tools. And it might, might be implying, like, once you set yourself to one of these tasks, uh, instead of looking back, uh, maybe maybe we're losing a little bit on the on on the uh, interpretation of maybe this does this maybe imply like stops if if you start a project and you stop and start it or you kind of like you 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 go you hit it it fits and you know, kind of and try to do it in the spare time right 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 that's not that's not the case and I think there's also a, a, an aspect of um, sometimes uh, opportunities to bring forward the glory of God or the kingdom of God are split second decisions. Right. And you can't hesitate. They're only in that moment. Yeah. And once you, if you turn and look back, that moment is gone. The yep. chance to utilize that plow is over. Exactly. And, and, uh, and plant maybe, to plant that seed. It's gone. Right. Then, yeah, then the season's too late and the mm -hmm. seed doesn't have enough time to grow. And, you know, you have to wait till next year. Yeah. I mean, a simple example of that is there, coming across uh, a stranger and you start to make eye contact and then you chicken out. Mm -hmm. And it may be that person really need to be acknowledged as a human being in that moment right. so that the, God's love for that person is felt within that person and you drop the ball. Right. You, you didn't do it. Or they, yeah, there's a person in need and yeah. that need has is, is not a, is not a need of maybe sometime whenever right. you get a chance to, it's a, it's a, they need it now. They need it. They, they need help at this moment. And there's also a bigger dynamic to apply this scripture to, and that's the this is the way we've always done it in the past, which mm. is so often the destruct is destructive to ministry, where a congregation or a group or a family or whatever or an individual feels like, well, this worked. Last week, right, or last decade, is the way we and therefore we need to keep doing it that way. That's someone who is going back and saying farewell to those at home, rather than stepping forward with a plow and moving forward. Hmm. A, a, a great verse for for ministry. Work. Yeah. Uh, um, um, so it's kind of kind of interesting. Um, I'm glad we got a chance to to delve into those. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? That's probably it for today. It's for today. A lot more that you can hear at 8 and 10 on Sunday. Ah, there it is. There's the plug. <laughs> That's I, right. I appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, well, then that, with that, we'll wrap up. This was your podcast for June 30th, 2019. I got the date right this time. Uh, and uh, we, yeah, like I said, uh, certainly invite you to, uh, to visit our uh, 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock services on Sunday. And uh, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.